The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I have a special guest today, the Director of Public Sector Marketing for AWS, Ms. Patricia Davis Muffet. Trish, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming in. I know it's a bit of a chore for uh, for those navigating down to our new digs. Um, there, there may be people out there who don't know who you are or what you've done, so uh, educate them, please. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I have been around this government contracting business um, for some time, about almost 20 years now. Um, I came out of grad school with a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing, uh, and I loved writing poetry, but I also liked paying bills. So I thought maybe I could translate that ability to use the English language into something that would also pay my bills. So um, that's how I got into marketing originally, really came up through the communications side of things, and I worked for some small tech companies. Um, Was it always tech? It was it was always tech, actually. Uh, I just my my mom was a microbiologist and my dad was a mechanical engineer, and so I think uh, I always liked the idea of translating some technical topics into human language and really helping people understand what all that stuff was about. Probably because I grew up with my parents explaining their very technical jobs to me as a kid. Um, so I think I, I always was good at that. And I had one of my first jobs, uh, working for a very small, I was actually the first U.S. employee of this little Canadian company that did, uh, raster imaging behind, uh, engineering drawings. And the, the, my boss wanted to know why I wasn't getting, you know, more into the details, really understanding the technology, why I wasn't becoming a great, you know, user of the technology. And I said, no, no, you don't actually want me to have that much depth in this. You want me to understand what it does and you want me to talk to the customers and understand what the impact on them is. But you don't actually want me to get super geeked out on the specifics of the technology because then I'll actually be a less effective storyteller to people who don't understand what we do. And so... Did he get it? Uh, sort of. He sort of got it. But okay. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, there was a lot to be done. And so I ended up doing a lot of things, demo scripts and everything, but also really started to tell stories about their customers. And so I think that was what appealed to me when I went uh, my first real hardcore government contracting job was mm-hmm. working for Robbins Joya, a program management consulting firm. And what I loved about that job was that it was a consulting firm. What we were selling was program management, and so that's a pretty hard thing to wrap your head around. Um, but what the outcomes were for our customers were pretty incredible. When you, If you manage a program well versus managing it poorly, that's a very different outcome. And so I think I really honed my skills of being a storyteller there. Um, and then I moved on from there to uh, to Unisys, um, and then I went to USIS, and then to NetApp, um, and then uh, Amazon came and got me there at NetApp. Um, and uh, you know, I'm thrilled. I have actually responsibility across all global public sector, so uh, all 
national, regional, and local government, education, and nonprofits everywhere in the world except China, which is its own business unit. Uh, I'd have to imagine it's got its own challenges. <laughs> yes. Yeah, especially now. Yep. Um, so I've got to ask you a question about Robbins Joy. It doesn't yep. have anything to do with your work there. Mm-hmm. They changed their name a while back. Mm-hmm. Uh Allegedly, because this is word on the street, nobody could spell Joya. <laughs> that is true. Nobody could ever spell Joya. <laughs> G-I-O-I-A. <laughs> yeah, well, you're, yeah. Yeah. you're I, in the I minority. I down in my notes, too. <laughs> so, it hasn't always been that way. But I, I was wondering what, what you thought of the Robbins Joya to the RG, because that was a very difficult transition. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think... Um, you know, there was I. I was still there when John Joyer ran the company, um, mm-hmm. and you know he, when he passed away, you know it it changed ownership and um, you know moved to uh, was owned by a couple of bigger companies. Um, internally, we always referred to ourselves as RG, um, but I think externally, I do think Robbins Joya had a little bit of flair and was a little different than the alphabet soup. I actually resisted that change to external branding of RG. Um, while I was there, because I thought that it differentiated us from all the other companies that were just a bunch of letters. Um, but, you know, you do what you need to do. I think especially with people typing things into URLs and stuff, it does get easier if you use letters. So, Right. Yeah. Yeah, that that's true. But there there was also, you know, the, the brand equity yeah. with Robbins Joya, because it has been a cornerstone here yeah. for ages. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I put almost a decade of my life into building that brand equity. So. There, there you go. So how, how did Amazon come get you? I, I want to hear this because I don't know this story. Um, well, I mean, I was actually really happy at NetApp and uh, had a great team. I loved working for Mark Weber. Um, but I was, you know, they, they came after me uh, and, and um, pursued me on LinkedIn, actually. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> um, and happened to get me on a on a on a rough day where I said, "All right, fine, I'll talk to you." And um, but they, you know, they we talked for a long time actually before I decided to join. Um, actually, when I was first talking to them, and even at, I, when I accepted the offer, um, we had not yet gotten our first FedRAMP approval. That was a long time ago, six yeah. six plus years ago. But right. um, between the time when I accepted the offer and when I started, we got our first FedRAMP. So uh, you know, I was I definitely was taking a leap of faith on it. Um, I moved from having a very robust budget and a pretty significant team um, and a well-established brand in NetApp to taking this leap into Amazon Web Services. Is this cloud thing actually going to go anywhere in the government? Um, you know, are people going to get past their fear, uncertainty, and doubt? Um, I did believe in Teresa because I had watched her at Microsoft. I knew her a little bit from the community. So I figured if anybody could do it, Teresa could. Um, but it was I was moving to a tiny little team. It was just me and an event manager, and uh, you know that we were supposed to cover that same scope that I was talking about, all of that real estate all over the world. Um, and so I had to build it up from scratch. But I've always said that one of my core skills is turning over all the couches until all the people and pennies fall out. So I managed to sort of scrape together a budget and some people, and um, you know, now I have a a nice team. I have over a hundred people around the world. Holy cow! Yeah, um, you you mentioned the first one was an events person. Yep, we'll get to the AWS summit in, yep. a, in a little while. So, um, for from your perspective, 
thinking back to those small tech companies and to the big techs, what what's it take to play as a GovCon marketer given today's conditions? I think you have to really understand your customer and you can't go on sort of received knowledge about who they are and what they do. Um, you have to hear from them directly. You have to go out and capture their stories. You have to interact with them directly. Um, you have to read voraciously. You have to go listen to what they say. Um, I think if a lot of people who try to manage the public sector remotely, who are not part of the community of public sector, go on kind of old notions of what the government is, what they want. Um, and that often leads to really poor marketing. Um, and so I think people who are immersed in it, who are talking to the customers, um, get a sense of what they want and need and also understand that there is some a lot of tolerance for new ideas and for pushing the envelope and doing something different. They they are people. They want to be inspired and excited about their work. Yeah. So you mentioned voracious reading. Mm-hmm. Uh Given your degrees, I'm not surprised. Uh, <laughs> but what do you read? Well, I I read a lot of business books. Um, I also, you know, for my own pleasure, I read uh, I read fiction and poetry. But oh, sure. um, but I read I read a lot of the federal trades online. I like the things that come to me every day. So I read, you know, the Atlantic Media publications. I read the things that come to me through. The WTUP network. I love to read um, uh, Fed Scoop, uh, the stuff from Meritalk. I mean, I, there are a lot of great opinion pieces and news, and it's important to just make sure you've got the facts before you read the opinions. But um, you know, yeah, I, I I pay attention to all of those things that come in from the from the federal trades and from the people who have you know who really do talk with those government decision makers all the time. Yeah. Um, so do you have a method for sharing any of this with that hundred plus staff? Um, I share things with, I have different distribution lists, you right. know, because yeah. I'm, it's not really sure. relevant for my Germany marketing manager to hear about <laughs> the federal trends. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I the, do the GDPR thing. Yes, too, so. exactly. Exactly. My international guys have different challenges. Um, I would say the things that I share, to the whole team are things like I love Seth Godin uh, mm. and I read Seth Godin's blog and I often find that those are shareable for my entire team and help inspire them and get us unstuck. Okay. So you like purple cows. Yes, I do like yeah. purple cows. <laughs> you have one in your office. So. I do not have a purple what? cow in my office. I have a Darth Vader mask. but <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got a collection of soup ducks. So. Um, uh, gosh. All right, we're going to take our first break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Trisha and I will be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Patricia Muffet or Davis Muffet. Sorry, I get those mixed up. <laughs> That's all right. Um, not really, but <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find her on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm not going to give any email addresses or home phone numbers or anything, but, uh, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, just, 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 uh, look her up on LinkedIn. Um, look at the backgrounds really very impressive. So, um, 
you're you're here number one because you're one of the best marketers in GovCon market. You're here also because we saw each other a week or so back at the Market Connections Content Marketing Study. And there you said one of the most astute things that I've heard in a while. And it, it in a way it's uh, you know so obvious uh, that it should be, but most companies don't do this. And you said you, you predicate Amazon's marketing on content. So first of all, what do you mean by that? Sure. Well, I think the question that was asked was, what percentage of your budget do you dedicate to content versus other tactics? And I think that that's a little bit of a um, wrongheaded way to think about it because content has to be part of absolutely everything that you do. So you can't really break it out like that. And if you think of it in silos, then you're you're almost certainly going to put your content in a box and you're not going to put it into the right hands and and to weave it through what you're doing. So I think of everything we do as either a method for generating new content or for disseminating new content. So for instance, and we'll, I know we're going to talk about our summit later, but we have this enormous summit that we do. I see that summit as a flywheel for generating and testing content. So we are capturing customer stories through that. We're understanding which of the themes that we're talking about are resonating with our customers because they're voting with their feet of which sessions they go to. Um, We're working through the themes of what our executives will talk about. So that whole event, although it looks like event marketing, and you might call that all event marketing, is a huge content program. Um, As it should be. Yes, right. And then really... I think especially because we're selling something that is fairly amorphous, cloud computing, not just because it's intangible, but also because everybody wants to get a piece of that cloud concept, uh, whether they're really doing cloud or not. Mm -hmm. Um, So the only real way to connect that with the customers and with uh, others in the in the public sector is to tell stories about the impact of the technology on those customers. So that is a, a huge focus of our content is really telling the stories of what became possible through the technology, because that's when the light goes on for people. You know, when I early on, I, I was t- I often told the story of the NASA Um, Mars rover and you know that we were we were engaged in just a few weeks before the rover um, was to be launched but or before the landing was to occur because NASA knew that they actually were likely to crash their their servers when every browser in the world turned its attention to them (laughs) Uh, they just didn't have the bandwidth and so they they said what can you guys do to help us out and so we very quickly built a way for them to scale up so that they could just use the computing power they needed when they needed it. And they didn't have to invest in a bunch of extra capacity that would have consumed years of their budget to build that out. And instead, they could just deal with this surge and be able to reliably deliver on their mission of scientific education to the world and, you know, show people what that looked like as the rover landed. And so, you know, hearing that story and understanding, oh, I get it, right? NASA needed access to massive computing power and they didn't know how much they would need, but they needed it all to be available to them when they needed it. So that kind of story really resonates with people and there are lots of those. And so, 
telling that those stories in a compelling way and in a way that is not too technical but can get technical if necessary sure. um you know is really foundational and and we really try to be customer focused and customer obsessed across Amazon that's one of the things a hallmark of the company we have a leadership principle of customer obsession and so you know, finding out those stories and capturing them in a way that's relevant and communicating in a in a way that really, uh, you know, respects the intelligence of our customers, but also, you know, gives them what they're looking for in terms of information is important to us. Yeah. Um, I should have asked this earlier, but I'm going to ask it now. And I told you it was coming. So the first year that Amazon was available, first of all, Amazon's main marketing in the D.C. area when it first launched the book online thing yep. was radio. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, any station you turned on D.C., they had these funny as hell commercials about, hey, you're the Navy guy. Do you got a spare aircraft carrier we can use for our bookstore? <laughs> you go, what? <laughs> um, so it was the cool stuff. But in every shipment for at least the first year, there were two things. Do you have any idea what they were? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> One was a bookmark. Mm-hmm. Oh, a, yes. With a quote from Erasmus. Mm-hmm. When I have spare money, I buy books. If any's left over, I buy food. Yep. Um, I remember what, that. What an ideal yep. thing for a book. <laughs> and the other thing was a small uh, three-inch by three-inch Post-it pad with Amazon's logo and Amazon.com. Uh-huh. So really simple marketing, really yeah. brilliant marketing, and I still have some. Oh wow! So, Look at you. Uh, you should well, hang. I collect marketing stuff, <laughs> <laughs> and it ain't going on eBay. <laughs> yeah, we have um, actually in our in our office that's uh, down um, on down near Union Station. We have a bunch of uh, things from the early days of Amazon, and we have uh, a bunch of the well, you I know. We have some of those radio spots. I don't think we do have the radio spots. Uh, I have seen some of the early TV spots, which were very funny. Like, uh, you yeah, know, that Christmas. was the other cool thing. Yeah, the humor <laughs> was just dynamite. Yeah. Well, we are peculiar. That's what we call ourselves, peculiar. And so, um, you know, we like to be a little bit quirky and off center. <laughs> well, there you go, and you're in a perfect place for that. So, um, so let's 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 go. We're not going to talk about specifically the conference because we will uh-huh. get into that. But so you, you get these uh, – uh, Lord knows how many sessions you have. So you have all that content. I'm mm-hmm. assuming it's recorded, possibly videoed. Yep. Um, so how do you, you take that and then repurpose? Yeah. So we'll have 160 sessions at this event. <laughs> Maybe a day. Yeah. I'm coming um, this year. Okay, great. We'd love to have you. Um, so we'll have a lot of sessions. Um, some of them are off the record uh, where the customers say, no, I, I can talk to people in the room, but I can't have it recorded. But for the most part, the customers and, of course, our own employees, um, you know, they're on the record. We do record the content. Um, we put that out uh we put the sessions out on on the internet and, and make them available for anybody who wants to watch. If you wanted to watch all 150 or so that are recorded, you could do that. Um, but we also will take snippets. So when we have, for instance, in Teresa's keynote, um, she'll have four customers there on the main stage with her. 
And their sections are about 10 minutes each. And so those are great little almost TED Talk style uh, discussions of the impact that that technology has had on that customer. Um, and so, and we work really closely with those customers to tell the story well and to, you know, really communicate. And we find that those go really nicely and lots of people want to hear about that and we put those out and, and use them. Um, we find a lot of people, when they're considering going to another event in the future, they want to look at those. Um, we use them in social media content. We use them. Um, we'll build pages like we have a whole hub for digital transformation on our website. And so we'll use some of those stories there. So we use them for different use cases or different workloads that our customers want to take on. So we may have somebody who goes really deep in a session on, you know, uh, moving over to serverless. And so we'll use that content from that customer, maybe a little chunk of it or maybe the whole session um, to help promote that so that you can choose. Do you want to read a white paper with code samples? Do you want to look at the blog post overview? Do you want to watch a snippet of quotes from the customers or do you want to watch a full session? And people can consume the information however they like. Yeah. So yeah. – you were on the panel mm -hmm. at the content marketing thing. Yep. But when Aaron was doing his presentation on, and, and I'm going to focus on federal, yep. they they had the uh, federal, they had the state and local, and then they had the emerging tech. Yep. So on the federal side, were there any surprises for you in the order in which things showed up? I was a little surprised that um, they said that the federal folks um, – would prefer to see more data and fewer pictures. Um, and I I feel like that might be a little aspirational because human beings like to consume things in pictures first. I think yeah, yeah. I do think that um, I do think that government people can sort of geek out and uh, you know get wonky. so I, I believe them that they want the data eventually if they get interested enough. but I think to spark interest, you having those get them there. yeah, I think the pictures, the videos, the infographics, you know, I mean, that's just human nature that you want to, you know, give me the bottom line up front and then I'll decide if I'm going to invest my time. I, I, I see both, you know, people's information and their time as their commerce with me. Right. So I have to I have to show them what they're going to get if they give me that time or that, you know, information about themselves so that, you know, they, they feel willing to provide that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I thought one of the cool things was the. uh the high ranking across the board for product demo. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was interesting that they do really like to see what is this going to actually do for me? Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I don't often think of product demos as content, but they are. Yeah. So, and, but there's so many ways that you can do product demos. You're doing live one yeah, and you'll take that and turn it into a bunch of other ones. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and some of the product demo is just showing people. I mean, we actually do have a – it's pretty inspiring. I had one CIO of a university tear up on stage because she started talking about the first time that she spun up a cloud computing instance. Mm -hmm. And she realized that this was the work that would have taken her three months to do in the past. And she was watching it happen in three minutes. Um, and you was know, she happy or was she, she was happy, yeah, but good. she was just, <laughs> but she, but she was overwhelmed by it because it was going to make her job so much easier. And I do think there's some of that. I, I like to call it sort of the, 
the P.T. Barnum effect, right? You have to show people that something can really happen. And yeah. I think that's where the product demo comes in. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'll return with Ms. Davis Muffet right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Um, here with uh, Patricia Davis Muffet of Amazon Web Services, AWS. Uh, and yes, you do have that big conference coming up, but I'm not quite done with the content marketing <laughs> survey. Um, so, <clears throat> and did did you have any other surprises in in the what was it about 17 different items that, that Lisa and Aaron studied and and prioritized? Podcasts was near the bottom. That was yeah, kind of weird. I was a little surprised that podcasts were so near the bottom. Um, though interestingly, they were even across federal and state and local, whereas mm-hmm. many of the tactics were had some pretty big swings uh, across federal and state and local. Um, So, yeah, I was surprised because I think people – maybe it's just that people who love podcasts really love podcasts and it's a a particular segment of the audience. But You you get to fine-tune with podcasts too. So you got CFO podcasts. You have 1102 podcasts. Yeah. You know, there's some really narrow casting stuff there. Oh yeah, I mean we have cool. we have an AWS one that's really just about technology updates because we push out you know a thousand plus uh, new features and services every year, and so um, you know keeping up to date on that is uh, is a big job. And so we have a there's a podcast on that, and you know there's there are podcasts on everything. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so I was surprised to see that low. I was also surprised to see. Um, I know you're a big fan of LinkedIn. I was surprised mm-hmm. to see that not. Uh, higher on the list because actually we find that LinkedIn is uh, works really nicely. It's a, a place where people, when people are on LinkedIn, they are there for business, you know, whether it's, you know, no whatever trash. their purpose yep. is, they are there to look up people, to find out what they're doing, to read about content that's relevant to them. And so um, we actually find really strong engagement on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Aaron asked, I wasn't on the panel, but Aaron asked me about that. He said, was mm-hmm. I surprised that it was only 48% mm-hmm. and caught off guard, had a really nebulous answer, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Uh, but thinking about it, you know, we're talking about content marketing here. Right. Is LinkedIn good for content marketing? Certainly. But it's not the only reason people are on right. LinkedIn. Of course. So you have, from my perspective, the most ro- – and, and tell me if you agree – because uh, you've been around the block. Mm-hmm. This is the most robust marketing platform I've seen anywhere. And all this stuff you can do for free. There's paid stuff that you can yeah. do. But yeah. boy, talk about positioning your SMEs, branding your company, sharing yeah. your content, developing a community around particular concepts, mm-hmm. which you guys have been very good at. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's a very robust and I think it does the things that social media was sort of designed to do, the the positive things that social media was designed to do. Um, it's kind of, a, you know, very straightforward and, you know, you aren't sucked into things that aren't relevant to you. So I think it's I think it's great. I was also really surprised that there was. Um, still a lot of interest in marketing brochures. Yeah, collateral. Yeah, collateral. I, I don't know who they were asking <clears throat> about that, but um, I don't. I don't know too many people who love marketing collateral. I mean, I guess it's you know it's pretty, um, but <laughs> I don't really believe in marketing collateral because to me, um, especially and what's your budget. 
(laughs) Well, especially if you are in a rapidly changing technology environment, anything that you write down on paper collateral is going to be out of date by the time it comes back from the printer. So I believe in having super relevant, super accurate, um, deep rich content websites and maybe that's where my marketing collateral is right is the the company website yeah, and you can edit it at will yeah but so. i don't really believe in the you know the leave behinds and i mean you know print something out from the web page then if you need to leave something yeah. behind or or nice create PDF. a nice little deck to to yeah. go through but <laughs> yeah i i was i was sort of surprised at that too um the 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 case studies in the white papers, I was happy to see at or near the top because yeah. they've been uh, they've been a mainstay for us forever. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I mean that's the way that you actually communicate about the impact of the technology because the, the the winky blinkies on the technology, you know, even if you're not selling cloud, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. The the features, you know, they they don't matter in and of themselves. They only matter. Because they do something for the customer, right. you know, they only matter because they make something simpler, they make it faster, they make it more secure, whatever it is, right? That that's what matters is what the impact is on the customer, and that you hear through that customer story, not through you know we've we've ten x the speed of this, or we you know added five more features to that, you know, that, that's twenty three gizmos, <laughs> exactly, a new knob. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, um, I should have asked this earlier, but it just occurred to me when when you say you're in charge of all the public sector, does that include the vendor community as well? It does, actually. Um, yeah. So we include the companies that support all of those segments. So in education, it's the ed tech companies. So all of those MOOCs and the companies that build the platforms that are under education um, in the uh, in the state and local government, a lot of the applications that the state and local governments rely on to do citizen services. Um, and then, yeah, in the public sector, in the federal market, a lot of the sort of pure play government contractors. Cool. Yeah. So, but and your ecosystem obviously includes your vendor partners. Yep, of course. So, yep, so. yeah, we have a the Amazon Partner Network that includes both consulting and technology partners that work with us, and um, we have a very broad set of partners who are implementing our technology and also building on us. I get calls from people who have read my book because Teresa has a blurb in my book. Yep, and they say. You know, Teresa, can you help me become an Amazon partner? No. <laughs> well, the, really. <laughs> the, the really interesting thing is, so if you think about being an Amazon.com customer, right, all you need to do is register on the website and then you can buy stuff from us, right? right. There's not any hoops to go through, really. Um, I mean, the very first time you have to verify you're a real human being, right? But other than that, uh, it's it's very self-service and our whole company is very self-service and actually – Becoming an Amazon partner is also very self-service. And a lot of people are surprised by that, so surprised that they don't even go looking on the website for how do I become an Amazon partner. And so you can actually register yourself as an Amazon partner on the website. And then, of course, you know, there are levels you go through and everything, but it really is a very self-service process. Cool. Yeah. 
Well, now I've got a real easy answer. So have somebody send me the URL and <laughs> okay. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll post it on my keyboard because the, the question actually comes in yeah. more frequently than one might expect. Well, I think because people in government contracting are used to it being a very complex process and right. very, you know, very much driven by, you know, human interaction. I could be one of those scan com- scam companies and say, <laughs> yeah, I can help you do that. <laughs> If you'll just give me your routing number. (laughs) Not a problem. So you have this little gig coming up in June. What is this thing? Oh, yes. Year five? Uh, Oh, no. Actually, it's uh, I think this is our ninth year, though. The first few were tiny little affairs. Okay. Um, So I hope I didn't misspeak. I think it's ninth. Um, But the first one was uh, before Teresa even started. And it was like 50 people in Crystal City in a a hotel, uh, you know, breakout room. Um, But by the time I started, this was my uh, this will be my seventh because I've been here six years. And the first one was right when I started. So um, the first one was about (laughs) a thousand, about a thousand people. Yeah. About two months after I started. And um and so, yeah, we, we've gone from 1,000 people to last year we had um, about 10,000 in attendance. Attendance, but how many registered? 15,000 registered, yeah. yeah. So this year we're hoping to get you know 12 or 13,000, and I, I think we'll probably get there. Um, we've got a, a really good agenda. It's June 10th through the 12th, and so the core conference is the 11th and 12th, but we have actually a pre-day on the 10th. Last year we started a new thing, Earth and Space Day. Um, and so we've got Lori Garver, uh, who'll be on the main stage with Teresa for Earth and Space Day, which will be pretty cool um, from Earthrise. And uh, and then we've also got on our main stage, Teresa will do her keynote on uh, Tuesday. So that's sort of the, you know, day one of the big conference. And uh, she'll have Andrea Norris from NIH. Um, we'll have a customer from the state of Arizona. Um, we've got uh, Morgan Reed. So we've got some great customers who'll be there. And then uh, we're very lucky this year um, on Wednesday, we'll have Andy Jassy, who is the CEO of all of the digital businesses at Amazon, including AWS, who reports directly to Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. And Teresa and Andy will have a fireside chat, and that'll be definitely something to see. Cool. And I'm yeah. assuming that will be available as a video. Yes, all of that will be available as a video. Now, and is this going to be one of those things like when Michael Dell spoke at Fosse 20 years ago, the line out the convention center goes down <laughs> like six blocks? Well, we have been trying to uh, get better and better every year at getting people through the door as fast as possible. No, but this was just for that keynote. Yeah, no, I know. But last year at the keynote, I had to do a little bit of, uh, you know, dancing, tap dancing and juggling, trying to get people to be patient while they were waiting in line even last year. So it could be that there'll be a there'll be a big line to get in. But we're going to try and get people in as fast as we can. Cool. We're going to take our last break. We're going to continue talking about the conference after. After this, you're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm having a great time here with Patricia Davis Moffat of Amazon Web Services. Um, our, our outtakes are, are hilarious. Sorry, um, but, <laughs> but you don't get those. Um, I don't know if we could play all of them on air anyway. Um, so, so um, you've got just a, a ton of things going on really over two and a half, three days. Uh, day one is 
Yep. Slightly different. Yeah, it's a it's a whole day, but it's a bunch of uh, of individual activities for particular communities. So certainly Earth and Space is focused on the more of the scientific and exploration community. Um, we have a lot of people who are doing, uh, you know, GIS work and things like that. So it's relevant to them as well. Um, but we really have, especially this year, we're putting a big focus on developers um, because we actually do have a growing community of developers in the public sector space, which I love to see. I'm shocked. I know. I, I love to see it because I think that that's part of what has been really interesting and unique about bringing in cloud computing is that it has shortened the space between having a great idea and seeing it out in the world. And part of that is learning how to develop and to build something in a sandbox, build a prototype. You could do that with very little money and, you know, just a little bit of expertise. And so, you know, we've had a mission to go out and train as many people as possible on how to use the technology. Um, But we've also seen people, you know, come over from other uh, types of development and learn how to use our technology. Um, And we have this very cool thing that we launched at reInvent, which is our huge user conference that happens across the board um, called Deep Racer League. And it really is about using um, uh, machine learning to build better autonomous vehicle software. And so we have all of our customers, uh, our, our developer customers, geeking out about how they can win the Deep Racer League competition. And so we'll have one of those uh, during the pre-day also on the 10th. So that'll be pretty fun to watch. Cool. So what else is going on there that people should know about? Well, I think there'll be there'll be sessions for any level of technical or business engagement with technology. So we have things focused on policy or acquisition because that is different also when you're talking about moving from a CapEx to an OpEx model or learning how to contract in the government for an outcome rather than for a specific piece of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of things, spotlights that are for use cases. We have a virtual track for the Defense Department so um, and actually for other segments of public sector, so state and local education. We have a virtual track where you can sort of follow those stories through the conference. Um, we've got uh, some great content really digging into, I love the stuff on machine learning at SageMaker, which makes machine learning much more accessible to the customers um, and to people who don't have a background in machine learning. So we have some that are very technical, get really into security and compliance. Um, we've got sessions on GovCloud, which is our U.S. persons only region, um, you know, and then others that really are about what it looks like and how do you migrate and how do you acquire and all of that. So whether it's a program manager or a developer or a CISO, you know, there's sort of something for everyone there. Yeah. Yeah. So where do people register? They can register right on our website, but probably the best way is just to just to type into a search bar, uh, AWS Public Sector Summit 2019. And it pops. That's and how it I pops found right it. up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Um, I, I, I'm going to transition one last time. Yep. So um, I've been doing this longer than you, but you've been uh, literally the front person at some major players in this market. So what advice do you have for newbies and relative novices in the GovCon marketing community? 
I would say that uh, one of the most important things is to be bold, um, to not, I think it's easy as a marketer to think that you just serve the sales team. And that is certainly an element, right? You have to work hand in hand with sales. You have to be a team. But in marketing, you also have to watch, you know, like that Wayne Gretzky thing, right? You have to skate to where the puck is going to be, not to where it is. Um, And so you have a responsibility in marketing to understand what's coming next and to be patient and to think long term and to engage in the business in a way that actually helps some of the leaders to think more broadly about what the future looks like. So I've found that in my career that I've also gotten a lot of respect from the leaders that I've worked with when I have helped them to, you know, balance the short term and the long term. And I think that's something that marketing, when it's at its best, does well. Um, it's easy to just go for the the thing that needs to happen. And of course, you have to do some of the things that are going to drive near-term results. I mean, you have to be doing those. That's the Those are the table stakes, right? Yeah. But um, you have to figure out how you're going to also help grow for the future. And I, I always tell people who come in to my team, you know, make two lists for yourself. Make a list of broken things that you need to fix and big things that are going to get you excited and make sure you're always working on something from each list. Because if you don't get really excited about, and those are usually going to be those long-term things, the the, the future stuff that you're going to do, right. you know, use do those things that are going to get you excited and get you out of bed in the morning. But if you don't also fix the broken things, which is often the short-term pipeline generating stuff, then, you know, then <clears throat> you'll never, you'll, you'll never pay off on those big things. Yeah. So, so on your your personal pulse. Mm-hmm. So are there are there web 2.0 or web 3.0 apps that you're using personally that you see possibly coming into play in a couple of years in our market. You know we're slow adopters here. Yeah. So I was early on LinkedIn. I've been here yeah. for 15 years. Yeah. Um Government wasn't really here until 2010, 2011. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, well, I have kids too. So I have uh, an 11 year old, a 13 year old, and a 20 year old. Um, I think you're outnumbered. I am outnumbered. <laughs> um, it's funny the way that they interact with technology. I think I actually was at a, uh, I think that was at ELC, uh, maybe, gosh, 10 years ago, the first time that I heard. Uh, a very young, like a millennial who was on stage. She, I think she was 16 years old. And she was talking about, well, I guess I would use email if I was doing something very formal, like maybe a wedding invitation. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's crazy. But I think that's how my kids think of email, you that's know? That's hilarious. And so um, I think that finding, you know, I, I think Slack uh, is interesting to see how that has taken off in um, you know, on the West Coast, and I don't see it happening that much here, but I, I wonder if that's going to come into play. I think we have to find a better way to communicate than email, for sure. Um, I watch my kids on, you know, Snapchat and Instagram, and that's part of what I say about, like, I don't really believe that there are any humans who don't value pictures, um, you know, so I think that there's some of that of like the flow, letting information come in and go out and sort of not 
um, holding on to the, it the way that a gigantic full inbox is. You know? right. Well, you'll love this. You've probably heard it before. Uh, LinkedIn profiles with a picture are 11 times more likely to be read. Mm. Yep. So There you go. There you go. You know, you got to put a face to something if you're reading about someone. Yes. Right. But I also think communicating visually, you know, and being able to um, give people a sense of the experience that they're going to have with your product yeah. rather than just the words. Any final thoughts? Um, well, I guess my my main thought would be uh, I love that the government is now experimenting. That's part of what I love about AWS, that we have a culture of experimentation and I I hope we're driving that in the government. So it makes me happy as a as a taxpayer and as a government contracting marketing veteran. There you go. Trish, thanks for coming in. Thank you. This is not my day job. I advise companies on all aspects of marketing to the government. I've been focusing the last couple of years on, on three things, uh, social selling around LinkedIn, content marketing, and building the subject matter expert platform. If those resonate, drop me a line at marketfederaldirect.net. And thank you very much for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. There's a better way to drive traffic to your e-commerce store. Harness the power of AdRoll Dynamic Display Ads. Promote your products with interactive ads or showcase your best offers with an in-ad video. Not only is it easy for customers, you save money too. Dynamic Display Ads lower cost per conversion by 50% compared to static ads. See the difference. Visit AdRoll.com to get started today.